All right, what's up, guys? Episode two of the Rise Up Sales podcast. Man, super excited to get this one out there. Um, thanks again for everyone who's listened to previous episodes um, and other episodes going forward whenever it is you're listening to this one. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. Now, I'm sure everyone here sells you know, different things in different markets to different people. Some might be all face-to-face sales. Some might be all over the phone. Some might be a mix of both. Uh, me, for example, I, I typically uh, try to set appointments over the phone with a goal to run them face-to-face uh, in person. Uh, I sell digital marketing solutions for small businesses in the Portland, Maine market. That's where I am. That's what I do. So a big part of my job uh, is running CNAs, Customer Needs Analysis. And, and really, uh, that's something uh, that we all do I'm sure in some way or another, because it's pretty damn hard to sell something to someone if you aren't meeting and talking with people about your product. And it's pretty damn hard to know if they are a good fit for your product or solution without a good needs analysis. Um, You know, it could be marketing, could be real estate, could be software sales, insurance, mortgages, whatever. It all starts with that initial appointment or that initial call. Uh, or whatever the medium is, that initial conversation. Uh, So here are the top four tips, in my opinion, for running a successful needs analysis with a prospect. Number one, rapport before. You got to build rapport uh, and build that trust before you do anything else, especially before you do anything, you know, product or real sales pitch related. And, you know, we hear this all the time, you know, the importance of trust and the fact that people buy from people, right? People buy from people that they trust. Well, we hear it all the time because it's, it's true. You know, personally, uh, one thing I like to focus my business on is I like to put myself on the local level as much as possible. Um, you know, that's why, like I mentioned earlier, I prefer to meet people face-to-face, always. Why? You know, a couple of reasons. One, uh, I just separated myself from everyone who works only over the phone uh, and doesn't have that local option. And also, in my opinion, uh, it, it's much easier, I think, to build trust and, and build rapport and have a conversation with someone when you have the opportunity to actually sit down with them face to face. You know, whether it be a mutual place or you're able to go down to their business or their home, uh, you know, just sit down with them and, and have that conversation on a, on a personal level. Uh, you know, if you do work over the phone, which I'm sure of a, a lot of us do. Uh, maybe you just you might need to work a little harder to build that initial rapport and that initial trust. I mean, depending on who it is you're working with, you know, some people, some people don't really need all that, you know, fluff or or whatever it is you want to call it. But some people uh, do appreciate that, and all those efforts in the beginning are are just things that are going to help it much easier uh, when it time when it comes time to get a deal done and, and really get down to business. Uh, always help. It always helps to work to find some sort of common ground, right? You know, I found in my experience, and this is just me, but uh, I found if I can get a combo going uh, about sports or local sports, man, from there I feel like I'm in. I don't know why. Whether it be, you know, like I said, I'm I'm up in Portland, Maine. If I find myself uh, on a call or in a meeting with a Yankees fan, or you know, a Jets fan, because I'm I'm a you know, I'm a diehard New England fan, obviously, you know, Pats, Red Sox, and Celtics, then I think I'm in. You know, I, 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 that's just a very natural conversation for me to have. Um, 
and that's just one example of finding common ground. You know, others others may focus on something that, you know, might be trending in the community, pop culture, something in the news. Uh, you, you know, you might want to stay away from politics depending on the time of year or where you are in the country. Or, you know, even just the fact that you don't sound like a robot reading a script, you know, I think that's going to help you build that rapport with another person as well. Um, one more thing I found to be huge is, man, get them to laugh. If you, if you can get them laughing, I think that's a, a, a super good sign that things are moving in the right direction, at least, at least in my experience. You don't have to be you know, a stand-up comedian, but uh, I think just something to kind of break the ice, uh, whatever it may be, depending on the person you're speaking with or depending on your personality. Um, I think once you can get them laughing, I think that's the ultimate icebreaker and the ultimate way to start building that trust and building that rapport. Uh, the other thing, I mean, do some research before, right? We have so many resources at our fingertips now. You know, for example, if you're meeting with a business owner, uh, LinkedIn is an awesome tool to get some insight into not only that person, but some insight into that, that person's business as well. Um, you know, because remember, it's also a respect factor. These people that you set an appointment with, I mean, they're taking half an hour, an hour out of their day, basically unexpectedly. Because before you called them, before you, you know, set this, set something up, obviously they didn't have it in their calendar to come meet with you. So you had to um, do a, if you got a meeting, you did a great job of convincing them that speaking with you and talking about your product and your solution is is worth their time is worth an hour out of their busy day um so i think it's just again a respect factor i think it makes everything smoother uh to do as much research as you can going in there about them about their business um just to help build that common ground a little a little sooner if you work more in the you know b2c sales like you know insurance or real estate um you know you get some basic insight again from something like linkedin or even something like facebook or instagram I, I certainly wouldn't suggest, you know, opening up a conversation saying that you stalked them on Facebook the night before for an hour, but you'd be surprised what you can learn from just a, a profile picture, right? Uh, are they a sports fan? Are they wearing like a, a Red Sox or a, I don't know, like a, a Denver Broncos hat? Uh, do they have a dog? Is it from the top of a mountain? Whatever. They probably like hiking. Um, again, just other opportunities to kind of help you find that calming ground uh, to build that ever important uh, rapport and trust, right? And number two, make sure to focus on open-ended questions. And I know this isn't, you know, some groundbreaking discovery that you guys are hearing for the first time, um, but it's super important, right? And I think if you did a good enough job with building rapport and building that trust from the initial conversation or from the, the beginning of the conversation, rather, then the right open-ended questions is really gonna allow them to open up to you. And the more they open up to you, the more opportunity you have to help them. And the more comfortable they are with you, you know, the more they're going to talk and the more they're going to, the more comfortable they're going to feel really having a conversation about maybe some uncomfortable things, some things that aren't going well, or some things they really don't like about their current service, or, you know, some goals that they're really looking to achieve. Um, and again, I say focus on open-ended questions because I've run, I've run into it before. I still run into it all the time now, you know, incidentally, and I'm sure you guys have as well. Those close ended, you know, yes or no questions, they can really hurt you. Right. And, and they can immediately throw a roadblock into the flow of what could be a, a really awesome conversation. And 
you know, instead of something like, I don't know, instead of something like, are you happy with your current service? Yes or no? Try, hey, all right, great. So, so why don't you do this? Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you like most and what you like least about your current service, about your current provider? Similar question, basically the same question, uh, but depending on how you ask it, how you approach it can yield completely different responses. Or, hey, t- so um, let's do this. Hey, tell me about your goals when you first started with company XYZ. Uh, wh- why do you think those haven't been met yet? Uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of times people will already, you know, provide you with the, with the answers to an objection that they're going to throw at you later down the road if you ask the right questions uh, and get them comfortable about uncovering their pain in uh, the early stages of that needs analysis. Because really, you know, what, what's the goal of a CNA? That's what it should be. The goal of a, a needs analysis is to find their pain, find their problem, which is then going to allow you as the salesperson, as the expert, right, as the console, as the consultant, uh, to provide the appropriate solution to that pain. Because people buy things to solve a problem, right? Really, no matter what it is. You buy food because you're hungry. That's a problem. You buy a new car because the one you have now doesn't provide enough room for your growing family. That's a problem. Uh, You know, people invest into advertising because right now they're not getting in front of enough customers. For a business owner, that is a problem. So, Whatever the problem is, first of all, you got to find the problem, and then you got to find the best way to get your solution to make sense for them so they understand that what they're buying um, is going to solve their problem. So like I just said, that's why people buy stuff. That's why I buy stuff. Um, but again, speaking of objections, kind of goes right into number three. You got to anticipate the objections, right? You know, once you're selling for long enough um, and have done enough of these types of meetings and have spoken to enough people, you should be able to know beforehand the objections or at least potential objections that you're going to face you're going to run into, right? So just be ready for it. You know, in fact, sometimes you can even, you can address an objection um, and resolve it before they even have a chance to bring it up. For example, I know I compete with companies and agencies from all over the world, all over the country who are calling the same prospect that I'm talking to and trying to pitch them the same thing. That's when I really hammer the fact that I'm local. And that's worked well for me. For example, you know, hey, Mr. Customer, look, I know you get calls like this all the time, probably every day from people all over the country saying that they have the solution for you to get your website more eyeballs. But listen, you know, I'm right here in town. I drive by your business every day on my way to my office. And not only do I live in this market, but my family and I, we're part of this market. Wouldn't you agree that a local company has a better grasp on the type of folks you're trying to get in front of than someone who has no idea what Portland is or where you guys are or the people that are out here. Is that fair? Right? Something like that. Or, you know, uh, another example would be, um, you know, you can just bring up right off the bat, hey, it it sounds like you've been working with your current agent for a long time. Uh, And man, I respect the loyalty. You know, I I definitely uh, appreciate my longtime clients as well. But let me ask you a question. How much longer do you want to continue on the same path if you told me earlier that it's not providing the results you're looking for? Boom, right? Those are two examples uh, right there that not only that they they brought up, they addressed, and they handled an objection before it could be thrown at you. The objections in those examples was the are you local objection as well as the ever common I already have a guy for that objection. And those are pretty common in, you know, really whatever it is you're selling, whether it be B2B or B2C, um, you know, that I've run into. And it's just, again, 
something to be ready for. And the more ready for it you are, the easier it is for you to address, to move on and continue the conversation going in the way you want it to go. And that brings us to tip number four, the importance of controlling the conversation. Super important. And I'll be honest, back when I you know, uh, first started in sales or, you know, I'll be honest, even sometimes now, I think sometimes we get so comfortable talking to these people that, you know, yes, the goal is to have an open-ended conversation to discover problems, blah, blah, blah. Um, but remember we're here for a reason, right? You're here for business. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned, sometimes we do too good of a job of building rapport and building trust that we can find the conversation. What I like to consider derailing from the path. And by that, I mean, Uh, I mean, you should envision every meeting, every pitch, like literally close your eyes and envision a dirt road, right? At the end of that road, straight path is a signed deal. Sometimes the convo may sway to the left, may sway to the right. Your job, again, as the salesperson, as the consultant, as the expert, your job is to control the conversation and keep it on the right path towards a close, towards a deal, towards um, a solution to their problem, because that's what we're here for, right? Yes, open-ended questions are key. And yes, let them talk, let them open up, you know, make sh- make sure you are getting the info getting them the info they need. Make sure you're steering and make sure at the end of the day, you know, we're ha- we're expecting objections, we're handling those objections, we're providing solutions, and really we're just making people happy, right? We're making customers happy. That's the name of the game. That's why, you know, they do business with people. They want their problems solved. And they just want to be happy, right? And they want to reach their goals. So that's it, man. That's my top four tips uh, for running a successful needs analysis. Um, I definitely encourage you to check out some other episodes and other content uh, on my website, riseupsales.com. I also encourage you to follow me on Instagram uh, at djmorse126. Try to provide, um, you know, like I said, more best practices like this might be motivation, might be humor. Um, and I'm looking to network with, with uh, other salespeople as well who, who might be listening to this. So, hey, if you know a salesperson who would benefit from hearing this, you know, I encourage you to share, share, share. Um, you know, I'd like to get it out there and provide uh, as much value to as many people as I can. So again, that was episode two of the Rise Up Sales podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.